0: Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Likewise, he had received two talents, gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his lord's money. After a long time, the lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, "'Lord, you delivered to me five talents.' You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered, And said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, to gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and in my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given. He who has to him that and he will have abundance but to him who has not have even what he has will be taken away cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth let's pray together please father we thank you for your word we thank you it applies to us today we ask that the things we need to hear from you would be crystal clear to all of us in jesus name we pray amen you may be seated Now, last week, we, of course, addressed some things that were pretty obvious in the news that we couldn't escape and we couldn't ignore. And this is one of those things as well, and this is something that did not make the news. But, of course, I would say it's something that's very much on our minds and something we cannot ignore. And so what we want to deal with today, of course, is the idea that last Monday, school was in session. And I look around, I see all the kids that have had one week of school. Now, interestingly, somebody told me today, one down, 35 more to go. That didn't even come from from a student. That came from an educator. But back to school. Now, usually around May, the baccalaureate service will talk about the worth of wisdom and the importance of an education, and the preciousness of knowledge. May is the wrong time of the year to be talking about these things because all the students who may be here, they're thinking about the lake. They're thinking about sleeping late. They're thinking about the bus is gonna roll this summer and I'm gonna be on it. Not thinking about these things. This is the time to be thinking about the importance of knowledge and wisdom. And this passage of scripture gives us a biblical perspective of what you went through this week. And it's important to get the biblical perspective because really God cares about the fact that you had to go back to school and your pastor cares as well. Now I may be the one adult in the building that doesn't just jump up and down all happy because the kids are going back to school. You know, when I was a kid, I thought the adults just really loved it because the kids had to go back to school. And I remember, you know, I'm, I'm 58 years old. I had not been in public school in a generation. And, And I still don't like it when you have to go back to school. I kind of mope around for you for a whole week or so. I'll get over it, but it'll be fine. But let me tell you, I feel your pain. But it's something we need to deal with. And your pastor doesn't do you any favor ignoring these things and ignoring the biblical perspective of what you're dealing with with back to school. I think the college students, Wednesday's your day, so this is for you too. But now, for those of you who are not in public school, don't check out on me. There's some things in here for you as well, all right? First point in this passage of Scripture, very simple lessons. First of all, everyone was not given the same amount. But listen to this, everyone was given something to work with. In this passage, Scripture says he gave one five, the other two, the other one, to each according to his own ability. I believe the King James says to everybody he gave something. To everybody. So let me tell you, students, you have something to work with. Now, in order to get a biblical perspective of this, first of all, a talent was not a coin. So it's not like, how much money did these guys have? A talent was a weight. And so it could have been a talent of copper, a talent of silver, or a talent of gold. And the worth of that talent would depend on what metal that they received. We don't know what metal they receive, and that may be a good thing because we might be prone to eliminate ourselves from the equation if we talk about a talent of gold because we understand <clears throat> we don't get this kind of gold in our life. However, we have to understand, even the minimum, one talent, even the minimum, one talent, if it was one talent of copper, which was the minimum, was worth more than several years' wages. So we look at the guy that has one talent, we say, well, that master was kind of hard on this guy because he didn't receive but one measly little old talent, now he's scolding him. He had more than enough to work with. More than enough to work with And succeed. Now, look at me. Students, you have enough intelligence to work with and succeed. Don't tell me you're not smart and you don't get it. Every student in this building has enough intelligence to pass public school. You do. I know that because I talk to you. You're sharp. You're sharp when it comes to other things. There are kids that can remember every stat about every one of their favorite sports teams. They know all the codes to the video games. They talk, I talk to them, they're clever, they're sharp. You've got enough intelligence to work with. That's a cop-out. Don't tell your parents and your students, I'm just not smart enough to get it. This passage of scripture says everybody got something to work with and even the one who had the least had enough to work with and make something of himself. It says he delivered to them the talents. Now, the word delivered, that's what it is in the English language, but the Greek word means he entrusted them with it. So, when you look at that word, he didn't just give it to them with the option of doing whatever they wanted to do with it. The word entrusted means. He trusted them to make something of it. That's exactly. He didn't just say, here's some money. Y'all go have a good time. He said, here's my money, and I'm trusting you to make something of it. The unmistakable meaning, they were responsible for what they did with that which, which they were entrusted also, we have the term, he came and settled the account with him. Each one would have to answer for their actions. And of course, I don't have to tell all of my students here, very regularly, you have to settle the account. Now, I think the... The elementary kids, you still have a spelling test every Friday, spelling test on Friday, going to settle the account, see if you study your spelling words. Periodically in high school, you have the civics test, the algebra test, or whatever test. See, that's settling the accounts. So we have to answer for what we've done with our responsibilities. But see, it goes even further than that, and we'll look at that in a little bit depth. The second point we remember, first of all, everybody was given something to work with. Not everybody was given the same amount, but everybody had enough to work with. Secondly, our actions now greatly affect the outcome later. What we do with our resources and our responsibilities now greatly affect the outcome later. In this passage of scripture, verse 15 closes, Immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them. Now this word immediately not only refers back to the man who took the journey, but it also refers to the man who had five talents. And what this means is as soon as he got the responsibility, as soon as he got the assignment, He started working on it. Whoa. You ever had a science fair project that was eight weeks off? And about a week before? Oh, that's due on Friday. Start working on the science fair project. You see, as soon as he received his assignment, he started work on it. Now, the servant went to work as soon as possible. And here is the principle. Work postponed is work not done. Now, I preach into to the preacher because I am the world's worst at putting stuff off. In fact, I love procrastination so much, I thought we would start a procrastinator's club, but we never have gotten around to meeting. <laughs> it's always next week we're going to meet. But it's always easy to put it off, especially something unpleasant like an essay or a term paper. But you see, work postponed is work not done. This is not just for the school kids either, is it, adults? When we know what we ought to be doing, and we're going to get around to it sometime later, the truth of the matter is, we're not doing it now, are we? But he started immediately, and it says he went and traded two action verbs, which means He had to deliberately and intentionally adjust the schedule of his day to make it happen. It didn't just happen on its own. He made something happen. Then we have, of course, the third worker. He went and hid the one talent. You know how we do this? We have the assignment. We know we have the assignment. So, what do we do? We just postpone it and push it out of sight, out of mind. We're going to do something else today. So, we just push the assignment away. That's kind of what he did. He went and dug a hole and hid the Lord's money or his boss's money. Now, the problem with the third worker is not that he just got one talent and he just didn't have enough to work with, and maybe he was a little bit miffed because he didn't get but one talent. The problem was not that his investment did poorly. The problem with this worker is that, watch me, he did nothing. The problem with the third worker is he did nothing With his resources, he did nothing with his responsibility. In verse 26, the Lord answered and said, You wicked and lazy servant. That's not fair. That's not fair. How can you say I'm lazy? You gave me one talent. How can you tell me that I'm lazy? It was the circumstances. It all worked against me. I couldn't help it. Well, how did he know That he was lazy. In verse 15, it says he gave to one five talents. He gave to another two talents. He gave to another one talent according to his ability. Now watch me. The boss knew what he could do. He knew he was capable of it. And his problem wasn't that his investment did poorly because the odds were stacked against him. The problem was he did absolutely nothing and he could have done better. But he would not do better. That is the problem with the third worker. The boss expected more because he knew more was Possible, And our boss knows what we're capable of, and he knows when we're lazy, and he knows when we're not trying, and he knows when we are letting him down with our resources and responsibilities. Now, let me give you the primary resource that all students have. And I go back to what I made earlier, the statement that I made. You all have a very sharp mind with which to work every single one of us here every student has enough intelligence to pass public school period that is not a matter of opinion that's pretty much a matter of established fact in the book of mark chapter 12 jesus was asked a question and it's worth right now looking At his answer to that question because that puts a biblical perspective and a spiritual responsibility of what we're talking about now when we talk about back to school. But it doesn't end when our formal education ends. Look at what Jesus said in the book of Mark chapter 12 verse 28. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, This is the first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your what? Mind. And it is imperative for every single one of us to be able to offer God the sharpest mind possible with which to love him. And at this particular time of your life, you are charged with the responsibility to develop your mind. That's your job. That's your Christian duty, to develop your mind so you have a sharper mind with which to love the Lord. It's not like, well, school's over here and church is over here on Sunday and they don't really have anything to do with each other. Oh, yes, it does. Our Christian walk with the Lord demands that we give God the sharpest mind with which to love Him. Now that we put it all into perspective, Let's give us some specific things to remember. I'm going to answer some of the questions that a lot of times are thrown up to me and to parents and probably every teacher here. Number one, if you get this, it'll help you out. The importance and worth of the assignment is not always about the class content, How many times have I had somebody ask me the question, well, I don't know what English literature is going to help me out with when I get out of high school. I'm planning on maybe getting a job at the plant, or I'm planning on going to welder school. What's Shakespeare have anything to do with what I'm going to do when I get out of high school? And I answer the question, absolutely nothing. Shakespeare will have nothing to do With what you are going to have to put your hands on, unless you're going, of course, into education and English lit, then you better pay attention to Shakespeare. However, the importance in your life is not Shakespeare when you have to read that poem. The importance in your life, first of all, is the ability to read and remember stuff. And you're going to need to do that for the rest of your life. You're going to need to know how to read and remember instructions. That's important when they say, read this poem and then we're going to have a test on it. Now, sometimes when you get a job, you're asked to do stuff that you may not be interested in except for the fact the boss asked us to. We need to be able to apply some intellectual ability there to understand and remember what they ask us to do. So therefore, yes, yes. When you get out of high school, when you get into the real world, there are still tests. There are still tests. Our ability to remember will be evaluated on the job site. Sometimes, in order to write the essay or the term paper, we need to exercise an ability to formulate a solution to a problem. And believe me, an essay on Shakespeare is a problem, isn't it? It's a big problem but it's not going away, you gotta do it. So what are you gonna do with this problem? Well, in life, whether it be on the job or sometimes in your personal life, problems come that need a solution. And Shakespeare, you may never have to remember anything about that poem, but you will have to remember how to look at a problem and evaluate it and come up with a solution. And that's a skill that you learn in English literature. Also, this is important, we need to be able to develop the discipline to complete a task on time. All that happens when we have that poem by Shakespeare. We don't want to read it, we don't understand it, but we have to read it, we have to remember things, we have to take the test, and we may have to write a paper. And all those things are developing skills. No, Shakespeare's not important, but the skills are important. Now, how many of us remember here about 20 years ago, the karate kid? The karate kid wanted to learn karate. And finally, he got Mr. Miyagi to teach him karate. Karate kid shows up for training, and the Mr. Miyagi says, paint the fence. So he goes out, and he's painting the fence. Oh, Miyagi goes fishing. He's got the fishing poles over his shoulder. He disappears. Karate kid's painting the fence. Next day he comes up for for training. He says, sand the floor. So he sand the floor. Miyagi goes and he does something else. Then he comes the other day and what is it? Wax on, wax off, right? He says, I've been working all these days. I've been painting your fence and sanding your floor and waxing the car. I want to learn karate. And then, of course, you know the scene where he says, show me, paint the fence. Show me, wax the floor. All those motions and all those muscles were important when he was in the tournament. Now, that may be foreign to all of us. Never have had to deal with a lot of karate, but just... A lot of the kids here on the basketball team, you have to do the line drills. Run from one line to the other as fast as you can. Run side to side. I've seen some of the training you go through. And I've watched a lot of, of basketball. I've watched a lot of tournaments. And unless I've missed something, I've never, ever seen a team get the trophy because they did best on the line drills. You never see line drills in the game, do you? So you might say, Coach, I'm not doing it. I don't see how these line drills are going to be in the game because we don't do line drills in the basketball game. Tell the coach that and see where that gets you. But how many times, I'm not doing this, I don't see where Shakespeare's going to help me out. Here's the thing the importance of the line drills are not seen while you're doing the drill. The importance of the line drills are seen on the scoreboard at the end of the game later. And the importance of what you're doing in school, you won't see now, but you'll see later. And let me tell you this, lack of effort will show on the scoreboard later. All right, coach lined you up for your line drills or running laps. Sometimes laps are important if you made a big mistake in the last game. But you're going to run the laps. Somebody comes in, Coach, we got a problem. You need to go take a phone call. So the team is supposed to be doing line drills, and the coach isn't there. What are you going to do? He'll never, ever know. So you may run the drill, but you just, you're just not going to run it hard because the coach isn't looking. You know, you run line drills or do the exercises without any enthusiasm and without any effort, he may never know that day. But when it's the fourth quarter and you run out of gas and you have no legs left, and the other team is mopping the floor with you, the coach realizes somebody didn't do the line drills. You see, what we experience with our education, you don't see any sense of it here and now but you will see it later. And let me tell you this, if you don't apply yourself and do the best we can, it will show on the scoreboard later when it really, really counts. I've got this, uh, I've got this Russell here. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got this dumbbell here. (laughs) Hey, you walked right into that. Now, I can paint this razorback red. I can paint this black and gold. I can even paint this purple and gold with the LSU. I can make it look as good as possible. But this weight will not do me any good unless I do what? Work with it. Work with it. And it doesn't matter how many of these I have around and how close I may keep it. As long as it's away from me and I'm not working it, it will do me absolutely no good. I have also in my hand a textbook. This is probably one of the most interesting courses governing the American democracy. How many of you really love civics? Very few of you did. Very few of you did. And I know a lot of people ask the question, Now, what's this going to do for me? The exact same thing that Shakespeare. Now, I've got this textbook. This textbook has everything I need to know to pass the test. Now, if I don't work it, how much good is this textbook going to do me? Now we're getting it, right? You need to open your books, do the assignment, read the work. Secondly, this is a biggie. You are not expending this effort for the teacher. Now, the teacher is in control of the classroom, and the teacher will give you the assignment, but I know a lot of times people think, well, I don't know why I need to do this. I don't know why she deserves or he deserves for me to do this. Who do they think they are asking me to do all this work for them? Absolutely wrong. When... You invest the time and the effort to complete an assignment on time and to do your best to make the grave. You are not investing in the teacher, you're investing in yourself. You're investing in yourself. If you will make the most of your education, and even when it comes to Shakespeare, do your best, you're investing in yourself because, like the karate kid, you're developing skills to make you a better self. Now, still, maybe it hadn't registered. But especially those of you who are in high school, listen close. Very soon, you're going to be asking somebody to invest in you. You going to need a job. And for those of you who are employers, you know when you bring an employee on, you make an investment in them. Why? Because as an employee, you'll have equipment, you'll have tools, you'll have customers, you'll have responsibilities to deal with. All of these things make that business go. And that employer is investing in you. So you're out looking for a job, and you want somebody to invest in you. And watch this. This is important. If you don't care enough about yourself to invest in yourself It's going to show, and why would anybody else want to invest in you when you won't even invest in you? Think about that. Now's the time to invest in yourself to do some some things you ordinarily wouldn't want to do, but you're not doing it for that teacher. You are investing in yourself to make yourself the best self you could possibly be. And... I know several several of you say, well, I'm never going to need algebra. How do you know that? How do you know what you're going to be and what you're going to do when you're in junior high? You better learn it now. One day you might need it. You're investing in yourself when you do the work. And you're making yourself the very best self you can be. Now, back to the story. And back to the rest of us here. What do we have that measures the kind of worth of the talents? If it was a talent of copper, it would be just tremendous. But it's silver and gold that it could have been. We say, we don't have anything like this. This kind of resource to do something with. Oh, no. Four things we look at that all of us have, and there's going to be where we wrap up today. First of all, wisdom. Several passages of scripture that are the opening chapters of the book of Proverbs I want to share with you. This is the passage we, we usually share in May when nobody is really interested in wisdom and knowledge and education and understanding. But look in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 13. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Let me me say this. How are we going to gain understanding? We have to invest some effort in learning. Happy is the man who gains understanding. Her proceeds are better than the profits of silver And her gain than fine gold, she is more precious than rubies. So, if we say, well, this doesn't apply to us, I'll never have a talent of silver or a talent of gold. Oh, yes, we have something far more precious to develop in our lives, and that is wisdom. Chapter 4, verse 5, just another chapter. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And all you're getting, get understanding. Now, how do we get understanding again? Oh, we apply and invest ourselves when we have an opportunity for education. And all you're getting, get what? Not all the neatest little toys out there, but get understanding. Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, you understand the fear of the Lord. If you look for her as a hidden treasure, about three weeks ago this thing came out about the painted rocks. Oh, people were looking for these painted rocks. and it was wonderful when you found one of these painted rocks. Well, it says, let's look for wisdom the same way as if you're searching for the painted rock or whatever treasure. Oh, I remember, of course, the Magnolia Blossom Festival treasure hunt. The Purple Hole Pea Festival treasure. Oh, people were walking around till way late at night. They were looking under stuff. They were climbing on things. They were getting out. They were actually expending some effort to look for something. That's how we need to look for knowledge and understanding. Now, how do we look for understanding? We apply some effort when it comes to our education. Well, we continue. Then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Wisdom, there is no excuse. Everybody has the opportunity. Because the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, says this. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and he'll give it to you. So therefore, wisdom, understanding, more precious than gold and silver, we have that. It's already been delivered to us. So therefore, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to develop it? Are we going to ignore it? The book of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than gold or silver. A good name. We have the potential to have a good name. We also have the potential to have some other kind of name. The difference is, is how much of ourselves are we willing to invest in a good name and a good name is far greater than gold or silver now here's a practical aspect of the parable the one who had one talent the one who was scolded because he didn't make the most of what he had been given he dug a hole and he hid the talent where in the dirt And the problem with the name of a lot of people who just don't care is their name could be a good name, but they've covered it all with dirt. They've covered it all with the ugly, the dirty, the immoral, the dishonest, the sleazy, whatever. We cover our lives with all that. We have no good name. Why? Because we got too much dirt in our lives. His problem was that he did nothing and covered it up with dirt. In the book of Psalms, chapter 90, verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our heart to wisdom. Now, we look at this this passage of Scripture and say, I don't have a talent of silver, I don't have a talent of gold, but we have today. And you say this word, number our days. Now, if any of you collect guns, you know if you have a gun with two consecutive serial numbers Those serial numbers make that a very precious commodity. If you have a painting and you have numbered paintings, the fact that that was a very limited release from that artist makes that very expensive. Our days are numbered. We have a limited supply. Let me say that again. We don't have 10,000 years to get this right. We have a limited supply, and the only numbered day that I'm guaranteed of is today. So before we say, I have nothing to work with that I can give to God, we have today. And today is worth more than any gold or silver. We've got it. What are we doing with today? And then the last thing, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his soul? Our soul worth more if somehow some way you could be the shrewdest investor and you could somehow you have gained the whole world. I mean you own it all. You own every stock in the stock market. You own every acre on the planet. You own every tree in the biggest timber woods. You own all the oil wells in West Texas. How how can that be even possible? But if you had that all, it wouldn't measure up to the worth of your soul. And here's the sad part. People lose their souls over far less, don't they? Don't be one of them. Don't be one of them. We prepare for an invitation to him. This passage of scripture applies to all of us. What do we have? We have the opportunity of today. Make the most of it. What do we have? We have our soul. Have you entrusted it to God or is it in danger? What do we have? We have a mind. Are you giving God the best mind that he can work with? I don't know what decisions you may have to make. Maybe this puts it in a little bit better perspective. All of us fall into the confines of this parable, not just the school kids. But for those of you who are in school, I hope this has helped Put it into a biblical perspective and make some sense out of Shakespeare when you confront him sometime. And believe me, he's coming. You better be ready. Now you know. As we stand and sing.